Today's scripture reading is John 16, 7 through 15. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Before we actually dig into God's word, I think it might be most helpful if we set the table a little. And I want to do that by asking you to think about a question. And the question is this, if you were to have a very special mentor to you, and that mentor were to go away, how do you think that would impact you? What do you think you would miss? What would hurt the most? So I'm talking about someone who is close to you, someone that has influenced your life, and all of a sudden he or she is taken away from you leaving, and for all you know, their leaving is permanent. So I thought about that. A few things come to mind for me. So as I process, okay, if I had this mentor, someone very close to me, someone that had influenced me a lot, and they were to go away, I think one thing I would miss for, for certain would be the friendship, the sense of relationship. A sense of relationship with him, with her, a, a sense of identification, because, I mean, think about this. You've spent time with this person and they know you. They know you in and out. They know strengths. They know the weaknesses. And you're a part of their life and they are part of your life. Wouldn't that bring the assurance and the support and the confidence? I think that is what a mentor brings, especially if they seem to have confidence in you, especially if they seem to believe in you. It's hard, to it's hard to underestimate that sort of role in our lives. And you can't, you can't really duplicate that. You're not going to find that every day. So I know I would miss a sense of relationship. If a mentor, an influential person was pulled out of my life, I also think I would miss the direction that they would give. Maybe even protection. Protection not so much in a physical sense. But part of a mentor's influence on our life is the way they help us navigate tough circumstances, places where we could wreck our lives if we went down the wrong path. If we chose a harmful place, but they give us help and they give us guidance and we call them and go, what would you do in this situation? And, and they, they tell us, I, I, think, I think you ought to be thinking about these sorts of things and how helpful that is. How helpful it is when you walk through something that breaks your heart and you hear their voice of direction. When you walk through something that is causing you to almost lose it. But you have that mentor present with you. Even when you have 
you feel like you, you've wrecked your life. And you go back to them and they say, okay, here's how to put the pieces back together. This doesn't have to break you. It can change you for the better. To lose that would make you feel very lost. I think about, again, the mentor relationship. Another aspect is, is not only the relationship, not only the direction, but I think another aspect I would miss is just a pattern to follow. A pattern to follow. You, you gain this from watching someone's life. So you watch how they, they make decisions. So you are an apprentice and you see what they do and you see what they say and how they say it. You hear that, how they interact with people. You see what they prioritize. You, you watch their life. You you, you understand what they think about. And that's so, so compelling. So compelling at times when you've had that influence on your life, you begin to adapt their priorities as your own. The way they handle things, that's what you do. It becomes a pattern to you. You would feel it deeply if suddenly that was off the table. I've asked you to keep all that in mind. I've asked you to think about what happens if all that's just cut off and you don't have access to it. It would change you. And your first fear would be, Oh, no, I am left alone. And all I have is memories. And and those memories, I still have to face a future very different than what I had wanted to face. A future that is new and unknown and now uncertain. So the reason why I ask you to think about all of that coming into this passage of John 16 is because I do believe that is where the story is. And sometimes we need to give ourselves time to soak in these stories and some of the background that's going on and really sit in this because Jesus is is telling them he's had the major influence on these disciples' lives. And he's telling them, I am leaving. In this passage, even in verse 5, he says, I'm going to the Father. And what they process is exactly what you and I would process. Wherever he's going, he's not going to be with us anymore. He is leaving us. And because of that, they have a justifiable concern. Their anxieties are understandable. Their fear, their sorrow. As a matter of fact, they're asking the question that we all ask. It's like, well, how does that affect me? What is this going to mean for my life? What does that mean next for me? It says in verse 6, Jesus says, I told you that I'm going to the Father, and because I've said this, you have sorrow. It's filled your heart. But listen, Jesus is telling them more than that. He is telling them, I am leaving. He is telling them, you will not see me. And he is telling them, I won't leave you. And he is telling them, I'm going to be with you. So they've got to make sense of all this. You read John 14, that's exactly what he's telling them. I'm going to leave you, but I'll never leave you. You won't see me, but I'm going to be with you. So they're asking this question. I mean, you would too. How can this make sense? seems so illogical, almost unexplainable. And by the way, as we go through John 16, just short disclaimer here, there's no way we could cover everything in this passage. There's so much there. So I hope you take time to dig and study and you'll, you'll say, well, he didn't even talk about that. Well, there's so much there that I, I really do want to zero in on something that I actually, I really, really believe the Lord wants us to hear. You know, why, why does all this talk about the presence of Jesus matter so much? I think it's because this, for the Christian, nothing is better than Jesus. For the Christian, no one or nothing is better than Jesus. To have him is everything. To lose him is to lose everything. 
So I, I think it's so important. The stakes are that high. And if religion is only a symbol for you, if it's only a symbol for you, only a part of your life, well, then you probably could envision a world where you can manage with a little, little bit of Jesus for a while, and if you don't have him for a little while, you're okay. But if you're a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, you need him. Every hour, you need him. Not just memories of him. Not just stories of him. Not just even a great example of him. You need him. So put yourself in the place of the disciples who are hearing this and processing, okay, Jesus, you are leaving, but you're not. We won't see you, but you will be with us. What do you mean? And that's why in verse 7, Jesus says this. And this is where I really want to zero our attention on. Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper is not coming to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. We're picking up a discussion that we've had if you've been tracking with us the last through, last several weeks. We've been talking about Jesus promising to send his spirit to come. That's the helper to live in us. And that is the way Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you because I'm going to send my spirit to you who's going to live in you. Jesus Christ in us through the Spirit. The Spirit who is not a force. And it's not just our conscience. It's a person. It's God himself. But this passage says something more. And it says, because of the Holy Spirit coming, it's actually going to work in such a way that it is to your advantage. To our advantage, generally. Generally. You know this, right? I don't look at when someone, so let's say someone is living in our area and then moves out of town and they're very close to me. I generally don't see that. Wow, now I'm really advantaged. As a matter of fact, I don't think that at all. And when I've lost friends and family members, even the, the, the most abrupt of leaving, like they, they pass away, nothing in me says, well, now I'm at, a, I'm at a better place. I'm more advantaged because they're gone. So what exactly is Jesus talking about? Jesus says exactly what is true, and I have to believe he's saying something critical to them and critical to us. And I want you to get this. I, I want to, if, if you kind of have one, one thing you're resonating with today, this is what I want it to be. What Jesus is telling us is you don't lose any of what makes my presence good. And you gain things that make my presence better. You don't lose anything that makes my presence good to you. And you gain things that make my presence better. How is that possible? Ron and Rob and Donna alluded to some of these reasons. And, it's, and, and one of those is a big one. And they talked about it. As Jesus goes away and the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit is now available to the whole world. All believers everywhere in every place. So we can, we can process how that's better, right? If Jesus is just in the Middle East, if he's just by the Sea of Galilee, then he can't be in Europe, Asia, Africa, the Americas. He can't be there. So we can process, okay, that's better for everybody. But how is that specifically better for me? And that's where I want us to drill down on. And can we go back even to the beginning? Because I wanted to introduce the idea of that mentor, that influential person, that person that you begin to adapt their ways of life. Because I, I want us to think about, okay, we're not going to lose 
anything good about his presence and we're going to gain something better. So do you remember what I mentioned? One of the benefits of a mentor is that relationship. That relationship we have with the mentor. I think Jesus is telling us, you're not going to lose any of the benefits of that relationship that I've had with you disciples. You're not going to lose any of the benefit there. You're going to have all the assurance, all the support, all the communion, all the friendship. I, I have to think about that. I, I, I process like, okay, so Jesus talked with Peter. And he would tell Peter like, you're going to fail, but I prayed for you to come out of this. He said that to him face to face. When Thomas, when Philip, when Andrew had questions, some of which legitimate, some which seem kind of silly to ask now, the patience and the support and the, the real answers, the, the, the investment of relationship that he had with them. I think of the warmth of friendship that he had with John, where John could say, I am the disciple that Jesus loves. And none of that, none of that he's saying is going away. You're not going to be missing out. You're not going to lose the benefits of that kind of relationship because, because the Spirit of Jesus is going to be working in you, bringing all the assurance, all the support, all the communion. If anything, it's going to get better because one of the ways the Spirit is going to work is He's going to confirm things inside of you. He's going to do the work inside of you. So inside your minds that have questions and the things that you wrestle with, He's going to go to work there. Inside your heart that, that wavers, that doubts, inside your desires, inside your will, He's going to work there. And if you ever thought you were on your own, I, I hear this passage of Galatians 4, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. And he's crying, Abba, Father, we have a relationship. And the spirit is driving that because he is in us, living in us. You can even read the words of Jesus, but now we have the voice of the spirit of Jesus inside of us, confirming the truth in our hearts, Romans 8, 9. You, however, you're not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So, yes, we have the voice of Jesus coming from outside, and we have the voice of the Spirit coming inside saying, you are mine today. As I was thinking about this, I found myself kind of walking down memory lane singing songs I don't know that I've thought about for a decade. And those songs were almost like a spiritual soundtrack for me. Songs that go back two and three decades. Songs that have been kind of instrumental in my walk with the Lord. And as I thought about those, I thought this, this is the, these are the songs of the soundtrack of Jesus being close to me. Not distant from me, but close to me. This was the song here. This was the song there. This was the song here. That there was the soundtrack to my walk with Jesus that confirmed again and again, I have not left you. Even today. It's like we sang it a moment ago, like tune my heart because it can get so way out of tune. Tune my heart to sing your praise. Seal my heart because I'm so prone to wander from this. That is what Jesus is doing through the spirit. You don't lose any of what makes his presence so good. And you gain some things that make his presence even better because the spirit is always present. One more piece of good news, and that is we are actually connected. So I have my own relationship with Jesus in the spirit, but, but then I'm connected to other believers 
who also have this presence of Jesus in the Spirit. We have to receive this by faith. I'm not saying it's always easy, but you need to know this. You have a relationship with Jesus. He hasn't left. Remember we said that a mentor doesn't just play the role of with a relationship, but also gives you direction. And I think what Jesus is telling us is you are not going to lose any of the benefits of my direction in your life. And you're actually going to gain some things. You're not going to lose anything. That is a huge promise. Because when Jesus was present with his disciples, he was leading and directing them. So think about it. Think about his, the primary way he led and directed was through his teaching. So he, I mean, the disciples heard him say, blessed are the poor, blessed in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, blessed are, are you when, when people persecute you. They heard this. They heard Jesus talk about, uh, tell the parables, right, of the good Samaritan and, and deal with our apathy and tell the, tell the parable of the prodigal son and deal with our self-righteousness and our pride. They heard this, so he is leading them and directing them. They heard his very specific instruction on what leadership looks like and what service looks like. They heard him talk specifically and direct their lives on marriage and sexuality and wisdom and anger and a host of topics. They heard his instruction on theology of exactly who God is and how to have access with the Heavenly Father. He taught them how to pray, and Jesus is saying, you're actually not going to miss out on any of that. You're not going to lose any of what has made that so good. How can he say that? I think one of the reasons I know he can say that, and one thing that became clear to me even this week as I looked at it, is because in verse 12, Jesus says, I haven't even told you everything that I'm going to make clear to you. I'm not done teaching you. I'm not done directing you. Look at what he says in verse 12, right? I have many things to say to you, but you can't even bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he's going to guide you into all these things that you can't handle now. He's going to guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will guide you into all the truth. Jesus working through the spirit with full authority, talking to us in what the apostles wrote for us, guiding us, directing. I love these words like leading and guiding. It's those verses that I come across again and again in the Psalms. He leads us beside still waters. Uh, the, this is the, the guidance of the Lord, and he's, he's telling us, this is not going to stop. You know, even I, I, I have to tell you, I had a personal encounter with this just yesterday as I was talking with a friend and we were talking about some things spiritually and how our hearts are doing. And he sent me some, a, a passage. He sent me a passage in Psalm chapter 25. I just wanted, I wanted to read it to you because it was as if that moment, it was the kindness of Jesus to say, even though you don't see me, you're not going to miss any of the benefit of me speaking and directing your life because what I needed to hear was what another brother in Christ shared with me Psalm 25, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O God, in you I put my trust. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. You are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. For they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, 
He instructs, not the perfect, but he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right. He teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. And I'm hearing, as I'm reading those words yesterday, I'm hearing Jesus speak loud and clear to me directly saying, Curtis, all my ways are full of steadfast love. You're not missing out on anything. If anything, here we are in 2020 and we have access to this. The very voice of Jesus saying, here's what's good for you. Here's what's true. Here's what's beautiful. Here's what endures. Here's what lasts. Are we in a habit of feeding ourselves with that? Yeah, I'm reading God's word and thinking about God's voice in our own life, a few friends that are willing to initiate spiritual conversations. Jesus promises you're not missing out on everything. Such good news. Because my personality is such that I hate missing out on stuff. So it is not a good day when I go to an ice cream shop and they're all out of the good stuff. But we have some other flavors we could recommend. It's like, that, that's a situation then. That's not, that's not an enjoyable experience. And I was thinking about how I hate to miss out on stuff. So this past fall, I went to a great football game. And as I was at this football game, I mean, before the doors had opened, there were all sorts of vendors outside the, the gate and they're giving away. Frankly, it's just junk, right? It's, there's nothing spectacular. It's not going to last. It, but, but still, I find myself waiting in line, kind of eyeing up. What prizes are they giving? What, what? I don't want to miss out. I hope I get that thing, not that thing, because that's much better than that. I don't want to miss out on anything. And Jesus says, you have nothing to worry about. You're not going to have a second-class experience. You're going to have exactly what you need. You haven't missed out. Jesus has a way of stripping away. Maybe even in this season, he's stripped away things you thought you needed and you didn't. Maybe he's had a way of shining the light on things that were actually messing up your life, ruining relationships. You see, he, he's still giving that direction, how much he must love you to still be working on your heart, picking you up after you fall. He's not left. How much he must love you calming you after you're filled with anxiety, how much he must love you, supporting you as you feel the pressure that seems like, I'm not bending anymore, I'm like, I'm breaking. And he's still there. How much he must love you, restoring you after you've broken your promises to him. How much he must love us all, producing the character of Jesus in us. You're not missing out. You don't lose any of Jesus' presence. And you gain some things that make his presence so much better. You have the helper. You have Jesus. It's one more thing that we mentioned that a mentor does. And that is you, you actually get kind of a front row seat to see their life unfold. You get to see like who they are and what they do, what's important to them. And Jesus is telling, you're not going to miss out on that either. You're not going to miss out on that either. It's a bold statement to make, especially to men who had watched him live, watched him make decisions, watched him interact with people, watched him pray, watched him teach. But now he's telling us he's going to be gone. How could he get better than when he was here? We need a pattern. We need a pattern to live our lives, to kind of fashion our lives after. We need that. We need someone to help us focus on the next right thing, figure out what's important, figure out what's critical. We need a focus. But remember what Jesus said in verse 12 again. I actually have more to tell you. You're not ready for it. But you will be in time, in God's perfect time. 
It's going to take time because you're not called. You and I are not called to, to have a weekend relationship with Jesus. We're actually called in this for a long obedience in the same direction, as someone has said. It's the long haul and what Jesus is giving us is something that isn't just going to help us for a weekend or a couple days. But he's giving us what we need for the long haul. He's giving us the pacing. He's giving us the appetite. Notice what he says in verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes. This is the helper. He's going to guide you into all truth. He's not going to speak on his own authority, but actually whatever he hears, he's going to speak. And I want you to notice some, some references. He will declare to you the things that are to come. So tuck that away. In verse 14, he says, he will glorify me. And just kind of on a side note, when I hear someone talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, but not a lot about Jesus, I get suspicious and really nervous. Because I think what, what the Holy Spirit does is glorify and magnify Jesus. It says he will take, the Spirit will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said he's going to take what is mine and declare it to you. So we have these things that are to come, and we have Jesus saying the things that are mine. And we've said it again and again, so let me say it again. We're not going to lose any of what makes the presence of Jesus so good, and we're actually going to gain some things that make his presence better. So when he says the Holy Spirit is going to take the things that are mine, it's such a loaded phrase, I'm positive I won't be able to do it justice, but I think it at least refers to who Jesus is and what he's like, what is core to his nature, what is core to his will. And Jesus is saying you're going to have an all-access pass to that. There's not going to be a limitation. You're not ready even to take it in all right now, he's telling the disciples. But I think of the description of Jesus in Colossians 1. And I think of the description of Jesus in Hebrews 1. And I think of the description of Jesus as nature and his love in Philippians 2. And I think of the picture that is painted in Revelation of the authority of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I think of, of the picture of the work of Jesus in the book of Acts. And I think of the description that one of those disciples wrote in John 1. And I think there is so much that we have learned, so much we have grown, so much we have benefited from even after Jesus ascended to heaven. We haven't lost anything. We actually soak in it. And, and we have a teacher in us explaining it to us. And we have teachers around us. And as they teach, the Spirit is confirming to us. That's the truth, you know. That's the truth about Jesus. That's the truth about Jesus. Another phrase comes up, not just like the things that are mine, but Jesus says the things that are to come. He's going to help you understand that. He's going to give you perspective on that. So the disciples are sitting on right before Jesus is going to be betrayed, arrested, and crucified. So what are those things to come? What are those things to come that he's talking about? Well, one of those things to come has to be the cross, right? And the Spirit's going to take all the meaning of atonement and forgiveness and victory that comes on the cross. One of those things to come is the burial of Jesus, which tells us he was fully human, and he really died, and it was a real loss to the world. But one of those things also to come from their vantage point would be the resurrection of Jesus with all the life and the hope and the future. It says, God's not done with this world. And then one of the things also would be in the future, the things that are to come, one of those would have to be the appearances of Jesus after he'd resurrected that he's real, he's human, and he's Lord. And, and one of those things to come would be the ascension of Jesus where he is 
where he's glorious and he's approved to, to, to go to heaven, approved by God. This is my beloved son. I'm well pleased in him. One of the things to come would be the work of Jesus at the right hand of God as our mediator, as our high priest, as our good shepherd. One of the things that would be coming would be actually something that we're anticipating, and that is the return of Jesus as our king, as our Lord, as our savior, as the judge of the world. And one of the things that is coming that the Spirit is telling us and prompting us and preparing us for is that time when we are with Jesus, the the restoration of all things, new heaven, new earth. And make no mistake, the, the joy of that will be we're with Jesus, physically present. Physically present. For the Christian, you are in Jesus and the Spirit is in you. And how you know that and what's confirming that is Jesus has not left you, but the helper resides in you. And he is confirming that that whole description of Jesus that I just gave, you're united to him. You're united to him. You don't lose out and you don't miss out when Jesus left. So what's the net effect of understanding, okay, Curtis, I, I, you know, you've said it enough, I got it. I don't lose any of what makes Jesus' presence good and I gain things that make Jesus' presence better. I'm really hoping what you hear is an invitation in this, and I hope it brings you to a couple places, okay? So one of those places might be you recognize there's a relationship with Jesus that needs to be initialized. Maybe, that, maybe that's where this is landing for you. The good news is actually it has been initialized. God has shown his love for you and me that in while we were still sinners, Christ came for us. Jesus came for us and died for us. And, and so because of that, the relationship, he's taken the first step. So then, then actually your step, you've got a decision to make. How are you going to respond? Will you receive that? Will you repent and turn? Will you have confidence in that? Will you rely on that? Will you accept what he's done for you? Will you make him the center of your existence? That's the decision you have to make. And if that is your decision, you need to tell someone. You need to go public with that. And, and, and let me just give you a, an invitation. Please reach out to someone. And if that someone needs to be us, please, please let us have that discussion. We love, we love to walk with you through something that could actually change your life and transform you. So maybe this is landing like you need to initialize a relationship with Jesus and good news, he's already taken the first step in that relationship. Or maybe you say, Curtis, no, I've had a relationship with Jesus a long, long time. But the fact is, as you're talking about it and the depth of assurance and direction and comfort and support and relationship and Curtis, it's been a long time since I've, I've really felt that, that I, I've really had that as a part of like my daily rhythm and routine. You know, there are times where we actually don't have to initiate a relationship. What we need to do is appreciate one. And maybe that's where this lands for you today. Maybe this is the time where you take stock. I, I've had those moments in the last month where I've just kind of looked around at my world and said, my goodness, I am so blessed. And I have this and I have that. I have a church family. This is, God, you're so kind. 
But maybe this is a place where you don't just take a look at your house and your family and all that the Lord's giving you. Maybe you take a look specifically at what Jesus means to you and how deeply grateful you are for him. And you rest in that comfort and that confidence. Maybe, maybe you need to sort through priorities that you've given your attention to. And maybe this is the prime time to do a, a reset because you know, actually, I, I didn't lose anything when Jesus went away. I actually gained something and that the Spirit is inside of me. Can I ask you to just take a moment and reflect on, okay, where do I need to go with this relationship that I have with Jesus? Father, I pray for your help in discerning where this needs to land in each person who is listening. And you are so great and you are so strong that you can take words and you can put those into our hearts so that we respond how we need to. And I pray that you would do all of that in a way that would just magnify Jesus. So we pray all this in his name. Amen.